Welcome to Family Law Talk, presented by Kirk Stange of Stange Law Firm, PC. Stange Law Firm is a family law firm in the St. Louis metro area with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stange. Welcome to Family Law Talk. My name is Kirk Stange. I'm a managing partner of Stange Law Firm, PC, in the St. Louis metro area in Missouri. Welcome to our episode of Family Law Talk today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about it in, uh, this topic, which is understanding investment assets and divorce. But before we get to the topic uh, here today, I should state <clears throat> that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Additionally, the information provided today is general in nature and may not apply to specific factual legal circumstance. Therefore, if you require legal advice, please consult with a competent attorney licensed to practice in your specific jurisdiction. All right, with that said, I'm on the phone with uh, Jeremiah Dallas, who's a wealth management advisor at Fifth Third Bank. Uh, Jeremiah, you on the phone with me today? I am, Kirk. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being online. Well, what we wanted to talk about today was this. I know a lot of individuals out there, uh, you know, going through a divorce, and, and, and in a divorce, uh, in certain circumstances, parties might have uh, various kinds of assets out there. And uh, I can I can tell the listeners in having lots of clients uh, throughout the years, uh, often cases, one of the parties in a divorce is is really fluent and educated on, on the different types of assets uh, that are out there. But in some instances, I've had clients through the years that, candidly, <clears throat> They just they just don't understand the differences between various different types of assets out there. So, when we're looking at their portfolio in terms of a family law case and, and trying to uh, determine what assets they might want to seek versus other assets, they really uh, have no idea uh, the advantages and disadvantages of various different types of assets. Is and and they oftentimes don't understand uh, the tax uh, ramifications for various kinds of assets uh, and the pros and cons. And then sure. Uh, yeah, and so this happens all the time, and so that's where, with the listeners, I wanted to kind of go through different types of uh, uh, assets out there uh, that might come into play in a divorce. And so this way, you know, some parties, I'll tell you too, Jeremiah, they candidly, you know, maybe they weren't in the position of controlling the finances in a marriage. Uh, oftentimes it might be the husband who controls these assets and, and not necessarily the wife, but now the wife's single, and she's going to have to understand the differences. So right. it's really critical for people out there. Uh, to really understand the differences, especially if all of a sudden they're going to be managing assets that they have no idea what they are. So in saying that, can you explain uh, to the listeners uh, the differences between uh, 401Ks and IRAs? Well, sure, sure. So let's start by by saying, number one, I am in complete agreement. I have dealt with clients who have um, been in the process of divorcing and or recently divorced, and it's a very common need to recreate the benefits and, and plans um, that were put together uh, pre-divorce and then certainly to have to recreate them afterwards. And so a solid understanding of of the assets to begin with as well as um, the needs and understanding what your own personal needs are and, and what the values, advantages, disadvantages, et cetera, are, it's very, very important. So. Um, First, let's start and say there's there's a few different ways to hold assets, and you could picture it as, let's say, eggs in a basket, since a lot of people say don't put all your eggs in one basket. So a lot of ways to sort of have a basket. A 401K is a type of basket. An IRA is a type of basket. 
a Roth IRA is a type of basket. And so the idea is that you can put different investments or different um, holdings in these different baskets. And what it does is it gives you different tax treatment, different advantages, etc. So a 401k is a employer-sponsored plan. And what that means is it means that the company is hosting the plan and managing the compliance and the administration of the plan. What it does for the employee is it allows the employees to put away money in a tax-deferred manner. And a traditional 401k plan allows you to pre-tax the money so that you actually put the money in to your plan without paying taxes on it first, which is a nice advantage um, because that money then grows and compounds without the effect of taxes eroding it. Uh, some 401ks also can be in the form now of Roth 401ks. The advantage of that is it's taxed money going in, but no tax when it comes out. So if you are in a higher tax bracket, or you suppose you might be in a much higher tax bracket later, then the Roth might be the better option. If you suppose that you are going to retire and need a little less money than normal and maybe be in a lower tax bracket at retirement than you were during your prime earning years, then the traditional uh, 401k is the better way to do it. And, and both okay. of those options exist in the IRA world as well. And IRA just stands for uh, Individual Retirement Account. And so usually when someone leaves a company, that's when they learn about an IRA because they roll their 401k into an IRA, and that gives them more control of it. Uh, the, the advantage of having it in a – there are advantages, by the way. The advantage of having it in a 401k as compared to a traditional is you can actually defer more. So a normal uh, person under the age of 50 can defer 17500 a year tax-free. You can actually defer up to 100% of your income if, if that's all you make. Um, so that's a huge advantage, whereas in a, in a personal IRA, you can only defer uh, about 5000 a year. Okay, so you can you can put a lot more into a 401k per per year than what you could put into an IRA. Exactly. So it's it's a better it, deal, and and frequently 401ks uh, have some sort of profit sharing component or matching. And so as an advisor, we always tell our clients to make sure to get the match. No one else is going to give you free money. Right. Right. Absolutely. And in terms of IRAs, there's a difference between the traditional IRAs and the Roth IRAs as well, isn't that correct? Exactly. So the um, the differences are identical with a Roth 401k or a traditional 401k. The the difference again is that the traditional IRA is going to be taxed later. So no tax on the money going in, no taxes on the growth. But when you do take it, uh, which you must be 59 and a half before you access the money inside a, a traditional IRA, um, when you do take it, you have to pay taxes at an ordinary income level. Uh, so you you may take it at 59 and a half. You must begin taking uh, what they call required minimum distributions or RMDs by age 70 and a half. And then uh, separately, the Roth 401k has uh, less limits, less um, less strictness because you pay the taxes up front. So the government is less concerned about making sure that you start to take the money out. So with the Roth, uh, you pay into it, you invest with taxed money that's already been taxed. It grows tax deferred, and there's no tax when you take it. Okay. 
Well, life insurance is something that I know that comes up a lot in, in divorce cases as well. Can you explain Certainly. the difference uh, to the listeners uh, between uh, various types of life insurance policies that are out that are out there? Absolutely. There there are effectively two classes, but three types of life insurance. And so the the easiest way to put life insurance together is through a term policy. And what term means, if you think of the, the nature of the word term, is time. So a term policy is a policy that insures you for a specific amount of time. For example, a 10-year term, a 20-year term, or 30-year term. And so after the term ends, you are no longer insured. So term policies are the cheapest way to do it. They simply insure against your death during that time, during that term. A The other major class of how to do it is permanent insurance, which is subdivided into two categories, whole life and universal life. Both whole life and universal life offer coverage that ideally the, um, stays in force, stays in force uh, longer than you do. And so uh, we'll definitely pay a death benefit at some point. And that's, th- those cost more, but the value in the fact that they cost more and they generally have a level premium they cost more but they definitely pay a tax or sorry they pay a benefit at some point which is very valuable for people who definitely want to transfer money through either legacy planning or estate planning or or just want to leave money to a charity or to children etc so these policies have, I mean, in other words, cash value, or is it term policies? There's, there's really no cash value to those policies. It's just, it just covers somebody for a term. In other words, they pass during that term. Then there's That's a payout correct. that if they don't pass during that term, you lose all the money in essence. That's correct. So term insurance is similar to, let's say, car insurance or, or health insurance. If nothing happens during that term, the policy will eventually expire worthless. However, with permanent insurance, and that, that takes uh, into uh consideration both whole life as well as universal life, those policies can have cash value. And those are actually um, very important to understand, especially through a divorce, because they do have value and they should be split appropriately because um, that value is also uh, tax deferred and passes eventually without any taxation. And so those can hold a significant amount of uh, cash value and eventual value to both the insured as well as the uh, beneficiaries. Okay, great. Would you you would consider the cash value on life insurance an investment? I I wouldn't call it an investment because generally there are there are classifications of investment. So by law, it is not an investment. However, um by, by law, it's not an investment that's monitored by the Securities and Exchange Commission. However, there is certainly value to it that does grow over time, and as such, um, even though it may not be called an investment proper, it is certainly an asset and certainly uh, something to be considered and discussed in the divorce. All right. Can you explain to the listeners what annuities are and how those can uh, come into play in terms of investments? Sure. So annuities are um, an insurance-based plan or an actuary-based plan where you pay money in and eventually take money out. The, the value with an annuity is it does have tax deferral. 
Uh, sometimes people do use an annuity for an IRA, but it's not necessary because an IRA also has tax deferral as part of it. So an annuity is, can be like a personal pension. And what that means is you can put money in either via payments through a lifetime or via a lump sum, and it will then pay you and or a spouse for a period certain, meaning a 10-year period or a lifetime period. It will pay out and never run out. And that's the, that is the benefit of an annuity is that they are based, um, and, and each one's a little bit different, and each one should be gone over with a professional advisor. But the idea of an annuity is that you can create a guaranteed uh, retirement saving plan for yourself that can pay you no matter how long you live. So it's money that you can't outlive. And although annuities carry fees that are a little higher than other asset classes, there is real value because we don't really have pensions very often anymore. Social Security is not as dependable as it once was. And personal investments are the primary source of retirement income for most people. And as such... Um, an annuity can be, especially for people who just want to guarantee, can be a very good way to create uh, effectively a personal pension. All right. Can you explain to the listeners what asset allocation is and why it's important? Sure, sure. So one of the uh, things that's most important to consider when you're looking at all of your assets and all of the ways that you hold investments and, and assets throughout your portfolio is to look at the allocation. And what that means is the diversification among different asset classes. And so at different asset classes would include large cap stocks. And what that means is large company stocks, middle-sized company stocks, small company stocks, real estate, um, international stocks, and fixed income, and also domestic fixed income, um, as well as, let's say, life insurance assets, et cetera, uh, the idea is, is like I said before, not to have all your eggs in any one basket, but to be significantly diversified such that if something, some part of your portfolio is going down at any given time, something else is going up. Uh, Warren Buffett says there's always a bull market somewhere. So the idea is the better you are diversified, the, what you'll have is less volatility, less up and down, less um, less panic attacks in the event of uh, some segment of the market going down. And, and the other idea is it's, it, the, it's more important to have a little bit of everything than to try to guess, especially based on the cover of last year's, let's say, Money Magazine, uh, what is the best thing to choose. Because so, we never know what's going to be the best thing next year. Okay. All right. Well, Jeremiah, is there a phone number that individuals could uh, call you to get in touch with you if they're if they're going through a divorce, for example, and trying to figure out the best way to, to invest their assets? Sure. Sure. You can reach my team um, here at Fifth Third in our private bank at 314-889-3362. All right. Outstanding. Outstanding. Jeremiah, anything else you'd like to add for the listeners out there? No, this was good, and I'm I'm uh, pleased to have been invited, and uh, I hope I was helpful. So thanks again for having me on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on, Jeremiah. We really really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. And this uh, will conclude our episode of Family Law Talk here today with Stangy Law Firm. Stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. 
Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today.